You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you and your portfolio are doing well today and that you're making wise and profitable investment decisions. I asked returning guest Will Thompson, he's a fund manager with Massive Capital, to come onto the show. He recently made public his investment and his investment thesis in Altius Minerals. And so I asked Will to come on the show, share with us why he invested in this company and uh, talk to us about its business model and what it means for the developments in the royalty and streaming space. As a disclosure, I'm not a shareholder of this company, nor are they a company sponsor of this show. So with that being said, Will, welcome back to Mining Stock Education and talk us through why did you take an investment in your fund in Altius Minerals? Uh, hey, Bill, great to be back on. Um, so that I have a disclaimer out there as well. Our fund, of course, is invested in Altius Minerals. Uh, we've also published a research report that is available on our website, which I'll share with Bill and I'm sure he'll share with all you listeners. Uh, in regards to Altius, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion over the last few years about the streaming or royalty business model and how, you know, sort of great a business model it is from the investor's perspective. Uh, one of the things that we've always struggled with uh, as a firm looking at the royalty and streaming business model um, is the fact that it has almost been exclusively uh, precious metals. And uh, while the businesses are often uh, fairly valued, they've often come at a slight premium uh, that is in excess of perhaps what might be justified from the slightly differentiated business model uh, in comparison to a regular gold mine. Um, when we sort of started the year this year uh, looking for base metal opportunities, which is one of the sort of target sectors we had, uh, we quickly found that there were very few royalty or streaming business models in the space, but there was, in fact, one company, Altius Minerals, uh, that appeared to be uh, not only uh, rich in terms of its, its opportunity set within the portfolio that they already had, uh, but also had a management team that was quite thoughtful, um, counter-cyclical in their investing style. Uh, and had really thought through the royalty and streaming business model and thought through how they could make it an organic, uh, continuously growing business. One of the things uh, that's interesting about royalties and streams uh, is, of course, that when a precious metal, precious metal streaming company, for example, takes possession of a stream, um, they aren't on the hook for any expansion, uh, future expansion, that is. Yet, Precious metals mines, you know, although they sometimes can last for uh, 50, 100 years, like we've seen some of the mines in, in sort of uh, Arizona, uh, Nevada, um, South America, you know, some of them can last forever. A lot of them have much shorter lives. Base metal mines, on the other hand, tend not to have such short lives. They tend to have exceedingly long lives and extensive uh, sort of brownfield expansion opportunities. And one of the things that Altius has really excelled at uh, is growing its base metals portfolio uh, in such a way that they have large stakes in uh, deposits that are very likely to continue to grow uh, for many years to come and have exceedingly long lives. Uh, the leading sort of mines uh, in their portfolio 
or the largest, the longest lived mines are potash mines. Uh, and they often have 80 to 100 year lives. And so without any further capital investment, you know, you have a, an annuity for all intents and purposes that it's going to last longer than your lifetime in most cases. Um, so at a very high level, you know, Altius is uh, that same great business model that we all sort of look at and appreciate in the precious metal space, except they've applied it to uh, the base metal space. Uh, and in doing so, they've taken advantage of several sort of geological uh, strengths, if you will, that many base metal mines have. Um, and uh, they've also uh, generated a lot of the royalties and streams uh, internally via their project generation business. And so oftentimes, not only do they have you know, an opportunity to take advantage of growth for an extended period of time with no additional CapEx, uh, but in some cases, uh, they themselves found the deposit and sold it in exchange for a royalty and some equity stake in some junior miner who has now turned it into a mine. And so those uh, royalty stream, royalties or streams, in fact, have a negative uh, cost of creation, if you will, to the company. So that combination, along with the you know sort of fantastic management team led by Brian Dalton, who, if he's not the largest shareholder, he's he's pretty close to the largest shareholder uh, in the company. Just makes Altius a, uh, a a wonderful business to invest in. This past March, there was a fantastic opportunity to buy into the company. It's now rallied a little bit for sure, uh, but it, it remains a fantastic business to to buy into, in our opinion. I interviewed uh, twice Jamie Strauss regarding his Digby research platform for development projects, but Jamie is also a 10-year director, non-executive director of Altius Minerals. And I remember during that interview, I asked him why the, the base metal royalties trade at a discount when you compare them to the valuation that the precious metals royalty and stream streaming companies get. And he said, I was hoping you would answer that question. He said that jokingly, of course. But Will, I want to know, when you look at why the base metal royalties, and in this case, Altius, trades at such a low valuation using the metrics, uh, when you compare it to the precious metals companies, uh, how do you chalk that up? Is it just that investors like the precious metals better and copper's out of favor? How do you analyze that here? Yeah, so I, I mean, it's a it's an excellent question. I think there are a couple of ways you could approach it. Um, so let's just take you know, sort of the first track might be sort of sentiment, um, and, and I think the answer is is a little bit of everything that I'm about to talk about, mind you. It's not one or the other. It's a little bit of everything. But so if we first just sort of take a look at sentiment, uh, we can sort of say, okay, well, the retail investor. Um, is going to be more attracted or likely more attracted to the the precious metal streaming companies. And, and the reason for that is simply that uh, everyone seems to have an inherent, uh, or perhaps not everyone, but but many people seem to have an inherent appreciation for the fact that gold has been money, if you will, for 5,000 years, uh, and that it is a good store of value and sort of all the various uh, positives one uh, thinks about when they think of gold. That seems to be very sort of obvious to a lot of retail investors. They may not be able to uh, put it into words, uh, but they see a bar of gold and they sort of appreciate that it has value. Uh, the same can't be said for uh, iron ore, 
uh, or potash or um, maybe a little bit more for copper. But generally speaking, it doesn't evoke the same emotion that, that gold or silver does. And so I think that you know there's a very real sentiment factor at play. Uh, I would also say that although gold and silver have their own cyclicality to them, um, it's much easier for someone to observe the cyclicality of base metals and much easier for someone to associate base metals with the economic cycle. And so the idea that the cash flows from this business will be more volatile because of a volatile price change uh, in the underlying commodity, I think is, is pretty easy to understand. Um, I would counter that, of course, by saying that there's plenty of volatility in precious metals as well. Um, but I, I think that's sort of neither here nor there. It, it's a question of what people can observe uh, and what people then build into their conception of what the company is worth. Um, over you know, the life cycle of many of the streams or royalties that uh, Altius has, you know, that volatility is going to sort of uh, even out, if you will. It's not going to get less volatile, but you're going to hit some sort of average price uh, that is sufficient to incentivize, you know, further mining. And so I don't think the volatility is as big an issue as long as you're a long-term holder. Uh, this sentiment issue is a very real issue. And, you know, sentiment issues resolve themselves sometimes. Um, and they tend to take a very long period of time to resolve themselves, though, because that's a that's a question of, um, I mean, hearts and minds, if you will, to sort of use a phrase from, uh, um, well, uh, to use a phrase that, that I, I learned in Afghanistan when I was working for the Department of Defense. You know, we were over there trying to win hearts and minds. You're, you're trying to change people's minds about different concepts. And that that takes a long time. Uh, and to get people accustomed to the idea of looking at industrial or base metals as equally important to the economy um, and as potentially an, as interesting a store of value, not necessarily as good a store of value, but as interesting a store of value as gold uh, is, is, is a long-term process. So um, I think there are a couple of legitimate reasons for it, but, uh, you know, they're they're issues that should resolve themselves over time, as long as you as an investor are patient enough to wait for them to resolve themselves. In your report, you wrote that LTS, in your estimation, is highly undervalued. You put a net asset value or a worth on the stock at about Canadian $12.50 per share. As we speak, it's trading at about $10.44. What were some of the inputs that went into your calculation in terms of discount rate and the price of copper and such? Yeah, so um, I'd have to go back and take a look at the model or, or the, the report. And I don't know. Um, I'm just sort of looking through our notes right now. And uh, the notes we have in our sort of management system suggest that we have a valuation actually of closer to 16 now. So I don't know if that's changed uh, since we wrote the report. I'd have to go back and look at the notes. Um, but uh, I think that the assumptions were probably a 10% discount rate, 10 or 12% is typically what we use. Uh, I would have said that we use probably a 250, a 250 copper. Um, we tend to most 
in our experience looking at copper miners, at least most tend to want to argue for a $3 copper price, uh, which from a building a mine sort of perspective makes sense in our opinion. Uh, and over a sort of longer term life of mine, $3 makes sense. But from a valuation perspective, we'd like to be conservative. And, you know, we sort of want to sit back and say, if things don't go right, we're still going to make money. And so we probably used a 250 copper price. Uh, I'd have to double check what our potash prices were. Um, can't remember off the top of my head, though. As you write in your um article here and explain your investment thesis uh, key to this royalty model like emx royalty there's a prospect generation business that produces a lot of these royalties now when you do it that way it often takes longer lts has been around for decades now but i think the upside and the continual stream of potential royalties is a lot greater how important was you was it to you that they have this natural organic feeding of potential royalties because we see other companies i've received emails about nomad royalty uh, which i haven't even looked at i don't know anything about the company as i mentioned it but i have received email inquiries about the company from subscribers but as i look their market cap they just ipo'd is 200 million dollars above altius's who's been around for decades so you can just raise money go buy a royalty ipo and be worth hundreds of millions of dollars or even double the market cap of altius but here altius is with this organic producing uh, using their geological expertise how important was that to you that they had this prospect generation business um so it's by no means sort of a you know a hard stop or anything it's, it's not as if we wouldn't invest in a good streamer or royalty business without it uh, but I, I think that one of the great things about royalties and streaming that we've already talked about is or, or i've mentioned it is the sort of low capex low sustaining capex nature of the business um, one of the other great things then, uh, or, or one of the nice things to pair with that, then would be uh, an, a lack of need to go out and raise more capital and dilute your existing shareholder base. And so one of the things that some royalties and streaming companies you know, have to do from time to time, and, and this isn't always the case, uh, but oftentimes, as they turn over their portfolio, if they haven't generated enough cash, they're going to need to raise more cash to acquire new streams and royalties. Um, you know, that that's not necessarily a great thing for the existing investors. Um, it's not something we as sort of long-term investors want to see either. Uh, I think that if you are looking for and I, I say speculation with, with no negative connotation, mind you. It's just sort of a different risk-reward profile. If you're looking for a speculation uh, and looking for an opportunity to deploy capital into a streamer or royalty to generate a short to medium-term return, uh, the additional sort of uh, dilution that might come with equity is theoretically or potentially okay. Uh, as a longer term shareholder with a view to investing in a company and a management team with the hopes that it becomes something that you can hold for 5, 10, 15, or 20 years, uh, that dilution takes on a very different nature. It, it becomes a, uh, it's much more negative to your returns than uh, perhaps playing a, a company for a short term pop might be. Uh, and so the ability for Altius and the management team to generate their own uh, potential royalties uh, is quite meaningful and, and quite significant in our mind. Um, I'd also say that the fact that they 
have very thoughtfully sort of exchanged those royalties quite or exchanged those uh, potential discoveries quite frequently for a mix of equity and stream or royalty uh, is quite is quite valuable. The, the equity portion enables them to capture some of the uh, some of the additional upside. Uh, associated with speculations in junior miners, while the royalty allows them to capture significant long-term value uh, that some of those, but less, f- fewer of the deposits, if you will, will eventually capture. Um, but it, it, it mixes short and long-term benefits in a way that I think uh, pure royalty or stream without the project generation can't. Well, in January, when I was at the VRIC conference in Vancouver, Ross Beatty said to the audience in the opening fireside chat or morning chat, he said that if the one advice that junior mining executives should take is that get big and get big as fast as possible. And that, of course, is the strategy that he's employing with Equinox Gold, uh, with the mergers and acquisitions that they've done, because when you get big, your market cap increases, therefore your liquidity, the trading and the shares increases, and that seems to be a perpetual thing that puts in motion higher market cap, more trading of shares, then more funds will invest. And so when I compare that to Eltius here at a $434 million market cap and uh, the liquidity, which doesn't seem to be so high, 30 7,000 or 38,000 shares traded a day. Do you know from talking to management, is there any strategy to possibly combined with a, another company in order to get that dynamic that Ross Beatty is talking about? And then the second part of the question is, is there any company that would fit with LTS's business model to which they could combine? Management has a very clear strategy around their uh royalty minerals royalty base metals royalty and streams um they also have a growing business in uh renewable energy streams um or royalties that's sort of brand new within the last two years uh the combination has the potential to be uh quite a bit larger than it currently is but their intention uh at the moment at least uh is to eventually spin out the royalties associated with renewable energy uh, in terms of growing the size of the uh, base metals royalty, I, I don't think there is any intention on their part to grow in any way other than organic. Um, so investors need to be patient. You need to be patient if you're going to invest in the company. Would that be accurate? Yes, I think so. I think so. And, and I, you know, I I agree with uh, Ross Beatty, and we're investors in Equinox, and and so we love the way they've uh, built the business up. Um, but it doesn't, that isn't necessary. It isn't necessarily true that that is the one way to do it. If you will, I think that Ross is completely right in terms of trying to build a gold miner right now, that that is absolutely the right approach to take, uh, just sort of given the sentiment around mining the last few years and, uh, the, the large CapEx cost associated with, uh, building a mine. One of the benefits, um, that Ross Beatty talks about quite frequently is that when you get size, uh, you also get sort of a discount on your cost of capital. Uh, and that, you know, is very meaningful, obviously, for someone trying to build a mine. If you're Altius, it's it's less meaningful. Um, they definitely need capital. 
they definitely have opportunities maybe that they're not taking advantage of because they don't have access to cheap capital in the same way that a multi-billion dollar gold miner might. Uh, but you know, Brian Dalton, who's the CEO, is a patient guy. Uh, he's a thoughtful guy with sort of a long-term view to the way base metals uh, are going to be used in the future. Uh, and because of the low CapEx needs, can afford to be patient, can afford not to dilute shareholders. Uh, and you know, in the absence of that growth, uh, that quick growth to size, can still expect to eventually get there. Uh, the same can't necessarily be said of a junior miner. So I think um, Ross Beatty's comments are, are spot on, but don't necessarily apply in every single situation. Well, here in the States and in the Western culture, we see sometimes companies that don't have to take political positions on hot topic issues take them, potentially alienating half of their potential customer base. So in my opinion, that's not the wisest thing for a company to do. I bring that up to say with the spin-out company that you mentioned, uh, Altius is doing this first-of-a-kind spin-out renewable energy royalty business where they're going to recycle its current coal royalties into a newly created renewable subsidiary that uh, you hope to experience a, a rapid growth with. So this may be a politically correct idea, but my question to you as a, as a finance guy that looks at things objectively, do you really think that at, on the financial and profitability level that this has the potential to succeed? So I think that uh, it's an interesting question. Um, we've talked with management quite a bit about uh, the spin. I guess there, there, are, two, there are two things. Uh, there's one, the question of the spin out, and the other is the question of sort of establishing this renewables royalties. Um, now, uh, as a business, uh, renewable royalties are going to be quite young, and they haven't experienced, say, a full cycle of uh, a full market cycle or, or full economic cycle, or, or frankly, anything. It's you know, Altius has, in some regards, come up with the idea. Uh, I don't know if they're quite literally the first person to do it, but they are one of the first businesses to undertake it as you know, sort of a core operation. Um, they appear to be profitable at this point. Um, or, or heading towards profitability. There appears to be plenty of demand. Uh, Altius has tied itself up with uh, two very experienced uh, renewable energy developers in the United States. And the fact of the matter is that as a source of energy on a levelized cost basis, uh, especially in the US, absent even uh, government subsidies, um, solar and renewable are in most places, one or the other, uh, the cheapest source of electricity. So to the degree that there is going to be uh, growth in electrical demand and or a shift by utilities uh, towards renewables, um, it, it seems like a good place to deploy capital in our opinion. In terms of the spin out, there is a very sort of uh, financial reason to uh, push for the spin out. And, and the reason is quite simple. Uh, when Altius goes to raise capital, in debt markets uh, or goes to a bank for project financing uh, or funding that will help support the sort of project financing that they uh, you know, provide in the form of, of prepayments for royalties or streams, um, their cost of capital uh, on the mineral side of things is, is quite a bit higher than the uh, renewable side. Um, that is, you know, I think that's a function of the perspective, uh, the the capital provider's perspective on on the risks 
to say that the risks in mining are higher than in renewables uh, seems like a fair statement. Um, the clarity uh, on the payment stream and the, the cash flows from the renewables is uh, quite a bit steadier and quite a bit more sort of uh, transparent, if you will, than the mining. And so they can afford cheaper capital. Uh, with the spin out, the Altius renewable segment will be able to tap cheaper capital markets, uh, take advantage of things like green bonds and a very clear and easy case for being an ESG fund or not fund, but ESG uh, sort of business. All of those things will be benefits to that business uh, over the short, medium and long term. And in the absence of the the minerals uh, or royalty streams for the mining, um, the potential to grow that business quicker and gain some of that size in a different industry that Ross Beattie was talking about uh, is very real. And so from our perspective, although we have no problem with uh, keeping the royalties internal and growing that business slowly, uh, the opportunity to grow it to a larger size a little bit more quickly by standing it on its own uh, it, it makes it makes financial sense. So as we bring this conversation to a close, uh, whenever you invest, I know that you do your risk reward assessment. And if the reward is, outweighs the risk and everything looks good, you're going to go for it, which you did in this case. But I'm interested to get your take on what are some of the key risks or some of the th- key things that could go wrong that could potentially derail this investment. You know, look, we, we are quite. We are quite positive on uh, the significance and importance of uh, base metals to the economy going forward, uh, and especially in the presence of growing electrification. Uh, We think that growing electrification is a very real trend that is going to continue. Uh, But that's a bit of a macro thesis that involves a lot of moving parts uh, that could very easily be wrong. I mean, I know that at this point, a lot of people sort of bake into their analyses, things like uh, electric vehicles just sort of ramping up and taking over, um, increased use of electricity in industry where, you know, natural gas is currently used or, or you know, sort of coking coal and things of that nature for heat. Uh, but the fact of the matter remains that uh, if, for example, we are heading in towards a prolonged recession, um, there won't necessarily be the money to to facilitate those transitions. And if that is the case, then base metals may not be the place to be. And while Altius is in, you know, sort of from a balance sheet perspective, a perfectly safe position and, you know, won't likely suffer uh, significant, say, bankruptcy risk or anything like that uh, from base metals sort of not having their day in the sun because electrification doesn't uh, – doesn't pick up and the economy overall suffers, uh, they may not do very well in that environment either. So electrification continues to be one of those sort of macro theses for mining companies uh, that is both exceedingly real, exceedingly easy to defend from a sort of factual perspective, uh, but also an uncertainty Um, and, and an uncertainty that you probably can't put a probability on. Uh, So it's, uh, it's potentially dangerous to obviously build one's entire thesis around just that. We have not built our entire thesis around just that. But in terms of that sentiment change that we were talking about earlier, uh, it's probably the most important factor in sort of changing the sentiment around base metals is a recognition of their importance for this transition to a low carbon economy. Uh, it's also important 
uh, to recognize that mining will almost assuredly always be a carbon intensive business. Uh, and as such, uh, many people are going to need to sort of come to grips with the fact that if they would like to invest in companies that are facilitating a transition to a low carbon economy, they're going to have to invest in some businesses that are themselves high carbon businesses. Um, one can't, you know, we can't get to a low carbon future by investing in nothing but Apple, Facebook, uh, you know, sort of these, these businesses that are without question important to the economy, um, but aren't necessarily actually the ones that create the change in the physical economy. Um, so that sentiment change, uh, the lack of a transition to a, a electric, you know, a, a low carbon uh, economy, these are very real sort of macro issues uh, that may result in, you know, no sentiment change whatsoever, no uptake in base metals, uh, and thus just sort of a stagnation in the business. Um, and in that regards, it might, I wouldn't say it's, it's not likely to become a value trap uh, in that we don't see it likely to, to trade down particularly, uh, but it might become, you know, just sort of uh, uh, an unproductive investment, if you will. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a very real potential when one is investing in value. If you'd like to learn more about Will's fund, go to massivecap.com. And that's massive spelled M-A-S-S-I-F as in Frank, massivecap.com. If you're an accredited investor and want to inquire about the fund, and we'll also post his write-ups such as the one about Altius Mineral, and you can get on his email list or find some of his analyses and write-ups at his website. Well, I really appreciate you sharing with my audience why you invested in Altius Minerals and your decision-making process. I know that that would be helpful to a lot of the investors that are at various stages of their investment journey and development. And just hearing you talk through your investment thesis, I think is uh, is very helpful to my listeners. So thank you for joining me today. Yeah, happy to do so, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. 
I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.